0: Well, I, uh, I want to get into the word of the Lord tonight, something that, um, and I know we, we have been in our midweek service going through the series on add to your faith. But tonight I really, I want to just take a little sidetrack for a little bit tonight, something that's been working on me now for several weeks, um, in fact, when I was um, in Africa the last time, Brother Stewart asked me if I would teach the men there a lesson. I had never taught a lesson on this particular subject before, and um, but I definitely saw the value in it and um, ever since I taught it it's been eating at me and I need to do a little work and do a little honing and it's something this church needs to hear. In fact I've, I've given little previews here and there once in a while I'll get stirred up. And somebody mentions something along these lines and before they know it and before they can stop me they're hearing the Reader's Digest condensed version. And uh, tonight, you're not going to get the condensed version. I'm going to try to finish the entire lesson in one night, and there's a reason for that. I really want to get through this tonight, and um, I've got some things that I want to add to it or say in conjunction with it. a select group of people, and um, I want to have this under our belts first. So tonight, it's going to be a little different than um, most other Tuesday nights, but I really feel this. I really feel this, and um, I've been feeling it. I've been wrestling with it ever since I got home from Africa when was the right time and I started just really feeling strongly a few days ago that tonight would be that night and then even today without my wife even knowing it, she made mention to me about some things and she didn't know she was confirming to me that the direction I was feeling was right for tonight, for tonight, and so I want us to turn tonight to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25, Hebrews 10 and 25, now the things that I'm going to say, some of them um, many if not most of us know, but teaching is so many times uh, taking what is known and then learning more from that. And so tonight, don't write this off as, well, I know this. I'm going to tell you, even if you know it, it doesn't hurt for you to be reminded of it. And as strongly as I feel this tonight, I think all of us need to be reminded of it. Hallelujah. And So, the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25. The apostle writes, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Everyone say the assembling of ourselves. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now I didn't put this in our text but could you go on and put verse 26 up there because I want everyone to understand the continuing thought. Many times we quote these two verses but I don't know that we always connect them as they are in the scripture. Verse 26 says for if we sin willfully. After that, we've received the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So in verse 26, he says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Verse 25, I'm sorry. And then in verse 26, he says, because if we do, we're sinning willfully. Sounds like the apostle felt like church attendance is pretty important. Like it's extremely important. And, and I feel that way too, but I think sometimes we don't realize why it's so important. What really is an apostolic service all about? Why are we here? What are we doing? What's, what's the intent? behind assembling together. Do we just do it because we don't have anywhere else to go? Do we just do it because we got a Jim Jones dictator for a pastor and he expects us to be here? Of course, I I tell people, some of you don't know Jim Jones and you're the better off for it. Jim Jones was a cult leader who led a bunch of people down to South America and got them all to drink Kool-Aid and commit suicide. In fact, that's if you ever hear someone say, oh, you're drinking the Kool-Aid, that's where that phrase comes from. It's a reference to Jim Jones who got his people to believe in him so much that they drank the Kool-Aid with poison in it and killed themselves for him. And, uh, of course, I... I say when somebody says, oh, you're a Jim Jones, I say, look, I can't even get some people to pay their tithes, let alone drink poison Kool-Aid. So I am not a Jim Jones. I can promise you I'm a long way from a Jim Jones. Um, But is that the reason why we come to church? Why are we here? What is the purpose behind our presence here tonight? Is it just a sense of obligation? And, and I'm going to tell you, sometimes thank God for that sense of obligation. because Sometimes that is all that keeps us coming. That's a fact. Sometimes just knowing we need to be there, we then... Push ourselves to do what we know we ought to do. But I really think that many times we miss the real reason why we are here and why we ought to feel that sense of obligation. And I think if we could get a revelation of the purpose behind our assembling together, it may increase that feeling, number one, of obligation, but Number two, the feeling of desire. That it's not just I have to be here. I know you're standing, but I'm going to tell you, church, and I've said it before, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I'm telling you, my wife can testify to the fact, if we're going to be on vacation, I'm going to do my best to find a church to go to. I don't come to church because I'm the pastor Uh, In fact, I think the first cruise we ever went on, um, it was over a weekend. And I told my wife, I said, I can't stand the thought of not being in church. And um, that was before the days of unlimited Wi-Fi on a ship and all that. And so as much as I didn't like it, I told her I would rather go. They were having a service on the ship was not a group that preached the truth, but I said I'd rather go there than to not be in church at all. I just feel like I want, I want to go to church. I just want to go to church. Many, many years ago, I heard a man say that when he went on vacation, he even went on vacation from God. I've never felt that way. I've never felt that way. I love coming to church. I love being, how could, and I know you're standing, I know, I know, but how could we put a value on what we have felt already in this service tonight? How could we put a dollar figure on the presence of God That has already swept through this auditorium. Why would you not want to be in that? Hallelujah. So look, this is not going to be a negative shame on you type message. I just want to try to let everybody come to understand why we come to church. What is the purpose of our assembling together? What really ought to be happening when apostolics assemble? And I guess if we have to have a title, that's what we'll call it, when apostolics assemble. Because there ought to be something. In our minds, we should not just be coming to church and going along for the ride. It's not just come to church and throw it in neutral and see where we end up. We ought to come here with a purpose. We're going to talk about that tonight. Amen. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands, lift our voices. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us. Church, we need a revelation tonight. We need a revelation tonight. Let's talk to God. Let's ask him to open our hearts and minds right now. I feel the witness of your spirit this is the direction we want for this service help me now God to say what needs to be said to get it done Lord Jesus God but I pray grant revelation to your people let them come to an understanding let them know oh God, dear Lord Jesus why you want us in your house I thank you Lord I thank you Lord I thank you Lord I thank you Lord Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. I've got about 40 minutes to go through eight pages of notes, so I'm going to have to kick it in high gear. And um, I'm going to have to do this as quickly as I can tonight. So I ask for your undivided attention. I ask you to please... Say amen along the way and let me know you're comprehending and you are understanding and you are receiving what I'm giving you tonight. I want to tell you that when we come to church, it should be more than just a meeting. Based upon our text, it ought to be clear to us that the apostle believed church attendance ought to become even more of a priori- priority the closer we get To the rapture of the church. He said we ought to do this so much the more as we see that day approaching. And if you don't see that day approaching, you're not reading your Bible. If you don't see that day approaching, you don't have an understanding at all of the signs the Lord gave us. I'm telling you the day is coming and it's coming quickly. And according to the scripture, the closer we get to that day, the more we ought to want to be in church. Well, hallelujah. Amen. And so I think it's important that we understand why we come to church. It's so much more than just another time to get together. It's so much more than that. God has a distinct purpose in bringing us to this place. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let's I I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We have got a lot of scripture to cover tonight. So so don't don't hold me back tonight. I'm gonna to blame you if I get way behind, all right? It's gonna all be your fault. So, but at the same time, don't racehorse me. All right, just maintain a good speed. All right. Praise God. He's done this enough. He knows. I'm just picking at it. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 40, the apostle Paul said this. Let all things be done decently and in order. I'm here to tell you tonight that the God we serve is a God of order. He is an unchanging God. Both the Old and the New Testament declares about him that he does not change. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 says, For I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I change Change not.
1: Hebrews 13 and 8 says. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. And James 1 says this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Yes. And comes down from the Father yes. of lights. With whom is no variable. With whom
0: is. Now get this. No variableness.
1: Neither shadow of turning. Not
0: even a shadow of turning. And you understand that's a reference to the old sundial. And those sundials marked the minutes as the sun made its journey across the horizon. The sundial showed the slightest movement in the sun. And the Bible says you can set up a dial. And I'm telling you, there's not one degree of change in God from minute to minute. He's always exactly the same. He doesn't change. Oh, I feel this tonight. He doesn't change. Now, because he is unchanging, he is therefore a God of order. He's a God of order. Think about creation itself. God took a world that was without form and void And when he got through with it, he brought such order to it that I can open my phone right now and tell you what time the sun will rise tomorrow. God's that predictable. I can tell you what time it's going to set tomorrow evening. God is that predictable. It's not that men are that smart. It's that God is that consistent. Are you hearing me tonight? I'm telling you, God doesn't change. God doesn't vary. He is a God of order. God brings order out of chaos, not vice versa. God doesn't turn order into chaos, He turns chaos into order. That's the God. We serve. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not the
1: author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the same.
0: God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. Right. And so if confusion is present, God didn't create it. Right. If confusion is there, it's not because God wanted it there. God doesn't author confusion. Well, hallelujah. And I'm telling you, our church services, in fact, everything we do should be about pleasing him and reflecting his nature. And so, in our services, there should be a degree of order. And it should never be allowed to disintegrate into chaos. Hallelujah. And I promise you, I've been in some chaotic services, even among apostolics. Yes, I have. but that's not the will and plan of God. God doesn't want chaos. God wants order. Now now let's let's talk about this uh, in First Corinthians 14 and verse 40, Listen to what Paul said. Let
1: all, things Let all
0: things. Everyone say all things. Everyone say all things. I'm still waiting on some of you to understand everyone means you. Let everyone say all things. That's better. I still don't think everybody did, but, but probably as good as I'm going to get tonight. Amen. Let all things be done how? Decently decently, and in order. And in order. Now the word decently means according to proper decorum. It comes from a word that means well-formed. Let everything be well-formed. The phrase in order means with a regular arrangement or with a fixed succession or something that reflects God's dignity. Well, hallelujah. Now, please don't misunderstand me. That doesn't mean there's no room for the spirit to move. There's always room for the Holy Ghost to do whatever it needs to do. But what it means is this, that whatever happens in a service, no service is ever allowed to become chaotic and filled with confusion. But it should have proper decorum about it. It ought to be well formed. It ought to have a regular arrangement about it. Well, hallelujah. Now, I want to tell you, the problem that we have today is that we are living in a generation. It's not just a generation that has been raised to believe this, but even those who were not raised to believe it, unfortunately, have adopted the attitude that it's all about me. It's about me. Well, I'm not getting any amens tonight, but I'm not backing off of what I feel right now. I'm going to tell you, we have this attitude. It's all about me. What am I getting? That's the attitude of the world. And unfortunately, that attitude finds its way into the church. And far too often, we fall into the trap of adapting to that same attitude concerning a church service. Now hear me out tonight. Hear me out. If we're not careful, we come to church with a mindset that says, I need something tonight. I have come here because I need a word from God tonight. Now, I'm not trying to be mean or ugly, but let me tell you something. If you hadn't been reading your Bible, why are you throwing it on God to wait to get your word when you get to church? There's a whole book full of words for you. I know you didn't expect that, but I feel it nonetheless. I'm, I'm down tonight. I'm discouraged tonight. I'm depressed tonight. Church ought to lift me up. Church ought to fix my problems. The sermon ought to help me tonight. And that's the attitude we get. Now look, it's not always wrong. To come to church needing something from God. I'm not saying that's always wrong. What I'm saying is if we're not careful, we get the idea that every service ought to cater to us. It ought to be what we want to hear. It ought to be what we need to hear. Church, listen to me. I'm I'm really not on a tirade tonight, but I am feeling so much unction and anointing. I'm having a hard time holding myself back, and I'm afraid my mouth is running faster than than than, uh, uh, or, or my brain's running faster than my mouth can keep up with or whatever. I don't know. But anyhow, I'm just telling you that if we're not careful, we get to the place where every time we come to church, it's got to be this for me. It's got to be that for me. I've got to get this out of it. I need that out of it. And we get this attitude and we come three or four services in a row and we didn't get our little word, we didn't get what we were looking for, and we decide then it's not important that I come to church because it's not catering to me. Or we decide, well, I'm not being fed, so I'll just change churches. Without a second thought to what's it going to do to the assembly. Without a second thought to how's it going to affect the other members of the congregation. Because it's all about me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't expect you to be running the aisles tonight. But I'm telling you, if I ever felt anything, I feel this tonight. We've got to be careful. that It is right for us to come wanting God to help us. It's right for us to come hoping God will talk to us. But what the problem is, is when that becomes our exclusive attitude, that that's all we're at church for is only if I can get what I came for tonight. And we forget there's a whole congregation here of needs. We, we, we can lose sight of the fact that there are others here with needs. And we're so focused on, I've got to get my word, my direction. And I'm going to tell you, I really believe with all my heart, there are times God doesn't give you that. Strictly because that's your attitude. And God's trying to get you to understand that we've got brothers and sisters that also have needs. And they have come, and they're needing something from God as well. And listen to me. God help me, I don't want to be too mean tonight. But listen to me, church. I feel this so strongly. If you'll pray like you ought to pray and read your Bible like you ought to read, you wouldn't come to church every service discouraged and down and depressed. But when you don't pray like you ought to, and you don't read your Bible like you ought to, you're not going to have the victory. And then you start relying on the church to do what you should be doing in your own private life. Am I become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth tonight? It's easy to get caught up in thinking that church service must meet our needs, or it is of no value to us. It's not important that I'm there if I'm not getting what I need. I'm telling you, church, this has been the destruction of churches, of families. When people get this attitude that I'm not getting what I need out of this. Therefore, it's of no value. And Brother Nelson was exactly right Sunday night in talking to us about having the attitude and the spirit of a servant. Because a servant doesn't serve for what they can get out of it. Oh, I'm feeling some real resistance tonight. But I feel like God's in this, so I'm going to keep plowing on. What I want to do tonight is I want to help us recognize the real purpose behind our church services. What are we trying to accomplish? Why do we come to church? Well, I, you know, I had to sort all this out. I was going to teach men that, that, have, that have come from a from a, a total background of false doctrine have no clue never visited an apostolic church and I had to sit down and teach them what's the real purpose of a church service because everything they know is pretty much wrong and and I'm going to tell you as I prayed and I studied I came up with four things that ought to be The sum total of what a church service is all about. Are you ready for this? First of all, Revelation 4 verse 11.
1: Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. For
0: thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Do you understand everything God did? He didn't do it to make you happy. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but he didn't do it to put a smile on your face. He did it to put a smile on his own face. Everything he did was for his pleasure and he is worthy to receive glory. Number one, and I'm going, to, I'm going to break these down, or I'm going to refer back to them, I guess, later on. But number one, the first purpose of every service ought to be we are here to give glory to God. I'm going to tell you, God chose you out of billions of people to reveal truth to you, to call you out of a world of darkness. So many that believe they're going to heaven that have only accepted the Lord or made a profession of faith. And they're going to wake up on judgment day and find out they've been lied to. But you have been blessed to know the truth. God chose you. God picked you up. God cleaned you off. God saved your soul. And I'm telling you, I don't care how bad your world is you ought to be given God glory you ought to be giving God praise you ought to come to church with an attitude that even if my world is falling apart my God deserves some glory <clears throat> because my world would really fall apart if I didn't have him in fact I wouldn't even have a world if I didn't have him Come on, church. We got to readjust our thinking. We got to correct our attitudes. We got to understand when we come to church first and foremost, we ought to give God glory. It's not about what you're going through. It's not about what you're experiencing. It's not about what you're fighting. It's not about what you're facing. It's about a God that deserves the glory. Well, I still hadn't reached some of you tonight, but it's the truth anyhow. Come on. His, His glory is more important than your needs. Giving him praise is more important than you getting an answer. Well, that didn't go over very well. But that's the truth. And if you'll understand that's the first purpose for being in church is to give God glory, then it's not going to matter if you got your answer or not. If you came here and did what church was all about, you'd go out of here rejoicing. And furthermore, you'd probably get a whole lot more answers. I'll deal with that more in a minute. Lord willing. Number one is to glorify God. Everyone say to glorify God. Number two is to reach the lost. Reach the lost. Uh, Luke nineteen verse ten.
1: The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost.
0: Son of Man's come to seek and to save. That's His reason for coming to this earth, is to seek and save the lost. Now, if that's his purpose, shouldn't that be ours? If that's why he came, if that's why he robed himself in flesh, he didn't robe himself in flesh so that you could pay your bills. He didn't even robe himself in flesh so you'd never have a pain or a problem. He did it to save your soul. He came to this earth bring salvation to the lost. And we need to elevate that purpose above our own needs. It's more important that the lost get what they come for than it is that we get what we come for. Now I'm going to jump ahead to another scripture here. I'll come back in a minute. But but just in case you're wondering why I put glorifying God above reaching the lost, it's because if we'll glorify him, we will reach the lost. John 12 and 32. And
1: I, if I be lifted, if up, I be lifted
0: up from the earth, will draw. All I men will draw me. all men unto me. Where are we at? Let's get it up on the wall. Where are we at? We're behind here. Amen. Let's get John 12 and 32. If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. Now, I know he was talking about Calvary. If you're wondering about it, go back and read the next verse. He's talking about Calvary. But I believe there's a principle involved here. I believe that it still works, that if we'll come to church focused on him, then our focus on him will start drawing the lost. But our problem is we come to church focused on us. And we want to be lifted up. And we want to be encouraged. And we want to be helped. But if we'll come and lift him up, he'll draw men to him. Oh, why do I feel like I'm stirring up the sharks tonight? But I'm that's all right. I'm gonna keep on swimming. So, number one is to glorify God. Number two, to reach the lost, and we'll say to reach the lost. Number three, the third purpose for coming to church. Number three, this is First Corinthians 14, verse 26.
1: How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a song, uh-huh. has a doctrine, yeah. has a tongue, yeah. has a revelation, uh-huh. hath an interpretation? Yeah, yeah. So,
0: so here it is. Here's Paul said. What's the deal? Everybody comes together, and they got their little thing they want to do at church. I need my touch. I need my blessing. I need my answer. I need my word. I need my direction. I need... I need, I need. So everybody, they got their song to sing. They've got their uh, their uh, lesson they want to teach. They've got their tongue they want to speak. They got their revelation God's given them. But Paul said, go on, what's he say? Let all things, Let all things be done unto edifying. Our purpose is not to come to church so we can get what we want, but it is to come to church to help build up our brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm telling you, yes, there's a place for us to be edified. There is a place for us to come and get our needs met. But I'm telling you, it ought to be much more about us trying to meet the needs of those around us than it is us always having to come to church and be prayed through again somebody's got to encourage me somebody's got to pick me up somebody's got to get me prayed through no you need to get through stay through and start helping everybody else oh jesus i need somebody to help their pastor right now i'm telling you i'm i'm feeling this resistance there's There's somebody here not liking one thing I'm saying tonight. I'm going to tell you why you don't like it. It's because I'm preaching to you. That's why you don't like it. Because I'm walking right down your road tonight. Because you see church as your place to come and get what you need. And there is a time for that. But it shouldn't be every church service. I shouldn't have to pray you through every time we come to church. You ought to be praying through every day. You ought to be getting a hold of God every day. Uh, uh, church please don't misunderstand me I'm just trying to tell you I've never seen somebody that's got a regular prayer life and a regular time of Bible reading that stays discouraged I've never seen it like that you stay discouraged there's something lacking in your walk with God And you ought to come to church and get that fixed. And then get up on top of the mountain and start trying to help somebody else. Well, hallelujah. There's some of us that want to just jump on a wagon and let everybody else pull us all the time. Well, it's time for you to help pull somebody else. Oh, help me tonight, Jesus. I don't want to come across wrong. I hope you're taking what I'm saying and putting it in the context of 20 plus years of pastoring this church and you understand I'm not trying to be hateful and mean tonight I'm trying to get us to a place church we have been so close to a real outbreak of revival and the devil's doing everything he can to distract us to divide us to destroy us and we're going along with him and letting him do it I'm telling you it's time for us to get a hold of something again and get back to church and get involved the way we need to and get a revelation of why I'm even here in the first place. So number one is to glorify God. Number two is to reach the lost. Number three is to edify the saved. and we' we'll say to edify the saved. And like it or not, number four, 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2.
1: Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. As God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come.
0: Now, you understand that for the early church, the first day of the week was the only time they met. And they did that at great peril. So what Paul was saying to Corinth was, look, it ought to be a focus of getting together. That you ought to come to church with the express intent of contributing to the work. That ought to be part of the reason you come. I come to pay my tithes. I come to give an offering. That's part of the reason I come. It's part of the reason I'm here because I want the work of God to go forward. And like it or not, it's going to take money for that to happen. And so it's just a part of the purpose of a church service. That we be faithful in our tithing and our offerings. This is just a part of it. And so every service, let's talk about, I've got a few minutes here. Let me, let me, let me talk to you here as quickly as I can about the reason why we do things in the order we do them. Because I think, again, it's got to be done decently in order, right? Decently and in order, right? 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 Got to be decently and in order. There's a reason why, Brother Hilton, that, that we do things in the order we do them in. It's not just that we've thrown it together like this. But we've got a reason. First of all, every service, in fact, everything we do, should always begin with prayer. Let's read First Timothy two and one. I exhort therefore. I exhort therefore that first of all that what first of all that what all. that what. Come on, church, help me out. That what first of all. that first of all. Supplication Not songs The first thing that ought to happen When we are coming to church The first thing that ought to take place Is prayer First of all Supplication, prayer, intercession And giving of thanks be made for all men That ought to be first of all That's the reason why We have pre-service prayer meeting Nothing should precede Prayer You see, prayer prepares our heart for a proper, a proper response to the Spirit of God and a proper reception of the Word of God. Hosea chapter 10. I've got to hurry. Hosea 10 and verse
1: 12.
0: Sow to yourselves in righteousness. righteousness. Reap in mercy. mercy. Break up that fallow ground. ground. It's
1: time to seek the Lord. Yes. Till he come
0: and reign righteousness. It's time to seek the Lord. Listen to me. We've talked about this. You can't just throw seed out on a hardened soil and expect it to produce anything. But that's what we do. Service after service after service. We come running in at the very last minute. And I know there are situations, I know some of you, it's hard for you to get here, especially midweek. Now, Sunday morning... I don't know of any reason why you ought to be late for a Sunday morning service. But 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 midweek, I understand. I don't know of any reason why you ought to be late for a Sunday night service. But midweek, I understand. So I'm not getting on anybody that came in late tonight. But I'm just telling you, when you just walk in here and you haven't prayed before church, don't sit there and get upset that you didn't get a word from God. You don't know how many seeds God may have tried to drop on your heart, but it wasn't ready to receive it. Or how much God wanted to speak to you, but your heart wasn't ready for the seed to be planted there. You haven't broken up the fallow ground. You haven't done anything to prepare it. You just want God to come and throw some seed in there and make everything better. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 3 says this. For thus saith the Lord, thus saith the, Lord and
1: the men of Judah and Jerusalem, yes, break up your fallow
0: ground, ground and, sow not, among and sow not among That's interesting that he would say sow not among thorns. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Does that ring a bell with anybody about sowing among thorns? thorns does anybody remember what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4 and verse 7
1: some fell among some thorns some fell
0: upon thorny ground and what happened and the thorns, the grew, thorns up grew up and choked, and it. choked it and it yielded, no yielded no fruit. fruit Jesus said if you've got too many thorns in your soil the word of God is not going to do you any good and so Jeremiah said get in there and break up that fallow ground get in there and turn that soil over do Something to, to get it ready for what God is trying to do in that service that night. Get the thorns out of the way, because here's what he said. We skip on down. He explains what he meant in Mark four verses eighteen and nineteen. And these are they which, these are, are, sown they which thorns, are sown among the thorns. Such
1: as hear the word. They hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulnesses of
0: the cares of this world. And the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in in, choke the word, word, and and it becomes. unfruitful i'm telling you saints of god if we don't have that time of breaking up our fallow ground don't expect the word of god to be meeting your needs don't expect the word of god to be giving you the strength that you need don't expect to walk out of here with the victory if you can't spend time breaking up the fallow ground oh jesus help me tonight help me tonight jesus I'm trying to get us somewhere. I'm trying to help us tonight. I'm trying to help this church. uh, Amen. Really understand there's a reason why you're sitting on this pew tonight. There's a reason why you come to church tonight. But sometimes our reason and God's reason are not the same thing. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Prayer is absolutely essential before beginning the service. It's essential. Like I said, I know sometimes work, you can't help it. I know that. And those of you that are doing the best you can, I promise I'm not on you about that. I do understand. I really, really do. And I know there are sometimes situations that just cannot be avoided. I know that. I understand that. What I'm saying tonight is we ought to make it such a priority to be at pre-service prayer that it is only when there is an exception that we're not there. Not because we decided to sleep another 15 minutes or 20 minutes. We ought to understand, I got to get there. If I really want God to do something tonight, I got to get there and break up my fallow ground. I got to get there and, and let God do something to me before church ever starts. I can't expect him to come in and just hammer away at a hardened heart service after service. I need to be concerned enough. That I'm going to come. Oh, it's getting quiet tonight. It's getting quiet tonight. I know sometimes it's impossible. I know sometimes you can't avoid it. But I'm just telling you, it ought to be such a priority that the only time we miss prayer or we're late for prayer is when we absolutely cannot avoid it. But we're trying our best. We're trying to get there. We're doing our best to get there. We want to be there. Well, hallelujah, i got to get to church and get ready. I don't know what God wants to do in the service tonight, but I want to be ready for it. Uh, Whatever he wants to accomplish, I want to be ready for it. I don't want my heart to be filled with thorns. It's going to choke out the word. So that's why we start with prayer. We start with prayer. And then... When prayer is finished, we offer worship and praise. Psalm 100 verse 2 says,
1: Serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing.
0: Yeah, it's in order if we've broken up the fallow ground to then come into his presence with singing. It's in order. Amen. Verse number 4 says,
1: Enter into his gates gates with
0: thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. praise. Be thankful unto him him and bless his name. This is what ought to happen. When we've spent some time breaking up that fallow ground, then we ought to burst forth. The song service ought to be more than just us sitting there mouthing a few words, our minds somewhere else, our thoughts somewhere else. But it ought to be that we are singing from the depths of our soul because we're doing it to him. Remember, we're trying to give him glory in this service. We're trying to lift him up in this service. And I'm telling you, half-hearted singing, half-hearted worship is not giving God glory. God's never accepted half-hearted sacrifices. God's always wanted only the very best. Well, hallelujah, but sometimes we allow ourselves to get so distracted that we don't really give him the best. Well, help me, Jesus. I may lose half the congregation before I get done tonight, but I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep on. Hallelujah. You see, our praise creates a habitation in which God is pleased to dwell. Psalm 22 verse 3 says this. But thou art holy. You are holy. O thou, o thou that inhabitest praises the praises Israel. of Israel. God dwells in our praises. If we have broken up the fallow ground and we've spent some time in prayer and then we begin to praise God. I'm telling you, God moves in. Yes. Right. He just comes in. His spirit moves through this house. Hallelujah. Oh, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. We need to be sensitive to the leading of the spirit. And I, 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 I said earlier, I... I want to try to finish this lesson because I'd really like Thursday night after after our midweek prayer. Uh, I, I think I may do some teaching to our to our worship leaders and and praise singers and musicians and 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 those of you who can't be here, we'll try to stream it or do something to figure out a way for you to get that lesson as well but but i just i feel like we got to do this i'm telling you church i am not at all i'm not accepting defeat we have been too close to a breakthrough we're seeing too many things that are coming our way right now and i'm not accepting defeat I'm going to do my best to hone this army to get us ready to become soldiers that are ready to fight this battle instead of being the wounded that are constantly having to be tended to. I want some people to learn to get some backbone and to stand up on their feet and say, devil, I'm not giving in. I'm not giving up. I'm not shutting up. I'm not shutting down. We're going to fight on until we break through this. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So, uh, like I said, I want to talk to the worship leaders and the praise singers and musicians. I want to talk to them separately about some things. And, and, and we'll we'll try to do that but, but I'm saying it's not just them But every saint of God Needs to learn to be sensitive To the Holy Ghost in a service Quit trying to figure out When am I going to get my blessing When am I going to get my word When am I going to get my strength Quit worrying about all that And get the focus God wants you to have I'm here number one to worship God I'm here number two to see the lost saved I'm here number three To edify the body of Christ And if you'll do that You'll be surprised what will happen Read for me Luke chapter 6 verse 38
1: Give and it shall be given unto you Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over Uh Shall men give unto your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you Oh, uh-huh.
0: now listen. We've talked about this many times, but let's look at it again. Let's look at it again. Praise God. That got turned off, and I don't know where the key is, and I'm not going to worry about it right now. Look at it again. Give and it. What? It what? We've talked about that word. That's an absolute guarantee. God says if you'll give, you will receive. And so this is why I say, you say, well, I've got needs. Well, I've got, I I, I, I really need God to give me some direction. I really need God to, to speak to me. Well, I'm going to tell you how you're going to get it. Give. Come into the service rather than having an attitude of I hope. I get, uh, why don't you come in saying, I got to find a way to give? If I can give to this service, if I can put something of value in this service, God has absolutely guaranteed me I will receive more than I put in. Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, thank you to the two or three that said, Amen. He said, If you'll give it, what? It, what? It, what? It what? Come on, church, it, what? It shall be given. And how's it going to be given? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's what God said. Whatever you give, God's going to take it and multiply it. You come to church with a need? You feeling down and out? I'll tell you how to get that fixed. Quit coming in here and feeling sorry for yourself and looking for your answers. But come in with a focus. I'm going to put something into this service. I'm going to give something to this service. I've been preaching and some of you hadn't raised your hands yet. I'm telling you, you got to learn how to get into the church service. You got to learn how to put something into it. If you want to get something from God, you got to put something in. Come on, pastor. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus help me tonight. You want to get something out of the church service? put something into it. And the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. That's right. I'm here to focus on Jesus. I'm here to focus on the lost. I'm here to focus on my brothers and sisters and I'll let Jesus focus on me. Look, if he won't let the sparrows fall to the ground without noticing, then he knows exactly where you're at. He knows what you have need of. He knows what you're struggling with. Why don't you forget about that and start giving him what he deserves, and he will take Didn't the Bible say seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be given unto you. They shall be added. They shall be added. If you'll seek first the kingdom. Not seek first your needs. I'm telling you, at your worst moment of discouragement, that ought to be when you worship the most. Well, I don't feel like it. I know. That's why you ought to do it. Well, if you'll give You'll get, remember our fourfold purpose, glorify God, reach the lost, edify the saved, contribute to the work. That's why we're here. That's our reason in being here. That's the purpose for coming to church. Hallelujah. But too many times we mix that order up and we are focused first and foremost on our own edification. And then we might give God some glory if he'll come meet our need. We might praise him if somebody will come by and and give us what we want to hear. And if some lost soul gets saved, well, that's just a benefit. But it ought to be so much more than that. (laughs) That that, that shouldn't even be the way we think about any church service. I'm telling you, we ought to be disappointed. Disappointed. If we don't have sinners in the altar, because that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Amen. So we start with prayer and then we, we offer praise to God. At some point in the service, we're going to receive not just an offering, but tithes and offerings because that's what God commands us to do. Amen. First Corinthians 16, verse two, read it again. Upon the
1: first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered unto him, that there be no gatherings when I now, come. Now, I'm not,
0: I, I, don't, I don't have time to get into this, but please notice that there be no gatherings. Paul's not talking about tithing there. He's talking about our offerings. Well, that really got quiet. He's not talking about tithing in 1 Corinthians 16. He's talking about our offerings because he said that there be no gatherings. He said, I don't want to have to come to Corinth and take up a big offering. You ought to be doing that all the time. And he said, you really ought to be doing it based on how God's prospered you. That's not your tithe, but you ought to be giving based on how God has prospered you. I'm I'm telling you, I, I, I give to God. I give to God an offering based on what I receive. I pay my tithes. I'm, I always pay my tithes. It's the first thing I do. And then I'll write an offering check. And for me, it's equal to my tithing. That's just what I do. I want to give God as he has prospered me. And I'm going to tell you this sometimes, like this week, I ain't not even had a salary. But I knew church was coming. And I was sitting behind my desk studying tonight, and I said, You know what? I didn't get a salary. I don't have anything to give, but I got a little bit of cash in my pocket. I'm going to give God something tonight. I'm just going to give because that's why I come to church. And I didn't do it because of this lesson. That's just what I do. Just what I do. Now, if. You know, if, if, if you ushers ever come up here and I don't have something to give, then it's because I didn't get anything and may not have any money in my pocket. I'm I'm more apostolic than some people realize. Silver and gold have I none. Most of the time, that's my story. And if I hadn't gotten anything and don't have anything, there's no way to give. But generally, if... If I can at all, I'm going to give God something every service. It's just what I do. Just what I do. And that's what we all ought to be doing. I know my time's up. I can tell. I can tell my time's up. My notes are not, but my time is. Galatians 6 and 6 really is about tithing. I'm going to try to hurry. Give me just a few minutes. Galatians 6 and 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him
1: that teacheth in all good
0: things. Yeah, that word communicate does not mean talk to. It doesn't. That word, you can look it up, it means contribute to. And so Paul said that if you're being taught, you have a responsibility to pay your teacher. That's what Paul said. If you're being taught, you've got a responsibility to pay your teacher. That's the mandate of God. Of course, Malachi wasn't nearly as nice about it. He said, if you don't pay your tithes, you're stealing from God. You're a thief. My old pastor used to say, every once in a while I'd hear him tell the ushers, now ushers, these people are not paying their tithes. You better watch them when you take that plate by there because they're thieves. They might be taking something out. Keep your eye on them. Now, that's what my pastor said. I didn't. I didn't say that, so don't get mad at me. I didn't say it. I just told you what he said. I'm sweet, kind, nice. Just ask my wife. (laughs) Christmas is coming up, so she's going to amen me right now. No, she would do that anyhow. It's an absolute mandate. Now, look, pre-service prayer gets our heart ready For a proper response to the spirit and a proper reception of the word. I said that early in this lesson, but I want to tell you the same thing ought to be true about every aspect of our service. When we are singing, when we are rejoicing, if we're running, if we're dancing, if we're crying, whatever we're doing, it ought to be that we are responding to the spirit and preparing our hearts for the word. Because I want to tell you, preaching is the most important focus of every service. It should never just be an afterthought. And it certainly shouldn't be something we dread. Well, I hope the preacher hurries up tonight. I want to get home early tonight. No, you need to come saying, I want to hear from God tonight. And however long it takes, I hope he won't stop until God speaks to this church. That's right. I, I'm afraid I've spoiled some of you because I worry a little too much sometimes about I know you don't think I do. But I, I'm, I'm telling you, in my young years, my wife can tell you, I, I'd preach two hours, three hours. I, I used to, so I've really been nice to you by only going an hour and a half. I'm, I'm being nice to you. And you don't even realize how nice I'm being and all of that. But, but, but I'm, I, I'm telling you tonight that preaching is the focus of that service it is what is important amen god chose the foolishness of preaching 1st corinthians 121 tells us to save them that believe amen faith Comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the Greek word for hearing there can also be translated that which is preached. Faith comes through that which is preached. Without faith it's impossible to please God. I'm telling you you can't have faith without preaching. You can't please God without faith. Therefore you'll never please God without the preaching of the word. And so it's not even about the songs. It's about the preaching. And prayer time ought to be focused. God, help me to receive the preaching. Our worship time ought to be, God, help me to get ready to receive the preaching. Because the preaching is going to do for you what nothing else can ever do. And I'm telling you, many times when I say, well, I don't know why I say that, I can't tell you how many times after church somebody would come to me and say, I know why you said it. I needed to hear it. Had nothing to do with the topic at hand that night, but I just threw it in because the Holy Ghost knew their heart was ready to receive it. Their mind, their spirit, their attitude was right, and the Word of God could do the work it needed to do. Look, I I don't know how to say this and not come across wrong to some of you, but but you blame the preacher sometimes that you didn't get what you needed. But sometimes it's not the preacher's fault. Sometimes it's because you weren't ready to receive what you needed to receive. Because what you needed to receive is not what you wanted to receive. Sometimes you want encouragement, but you need rebuke. And you're not ready to receive that. And so God doesn't give it to you. So don't put all the blame on the preacher. Like I had a a woman many, many years ago, another city, another state, another place who, who came to me one day and she said, I've come to the conclusion you can't even hear from God. She said, I sat at my house all day yesterday and prayed that you'd come see me and you didn't come. What I wanted to say out loud was, sister, it's not because I can't hear from God. It's because God's not listening to you. But I didn't say that. I was nice. I was nice. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I just smiled. Thankfully, there was another sister standing close by and she said, well, I want to tell you something. I don't feel that way. She said, I know if I need my pastor, I can call him and he'll be there. So I didn't have to respond. God took care of that for me. Hallelujah. Praise God. She didn't need anything. She just was feeling lonely and sitting there feeling sorry for herself in her loneliness Praying that I'd take time out of my schedule. We had a church of about 200 or so and she wanted me to take time out of my schedule just to come drink some tea with her or something. Talk about her aches and pains. And I know sometimes that's important but sometimes that's impossible. Sometimes there are more urgent things that have to be dealt with. Anyhow, I'm trying to hurry. I really am. God help me tonight, help me tonight. Praise God. But I'm telling you everything ought to be leading us to that moment for the preaching. Jesus purpose in coming to earth was to reach the lost. That should be our purpose for being on earth. We need to do everything we can when we are in a service especially if we've got sinners. Listen to me church, give me just a few more minutes. I really am. I'm on page 7 right now. I've I've, I've I'm not that far from being done. So hear me for just a few more minutes, all right? But I want to tell you, especially if there's a sinner in the house, I'm telling you when the preaching's going on, keep the distraction to bare minimum. That's not the time to go to the bathroom. Now, if it's an emergency or you've got a little one that can't control themselves, that's different. But that's not the time to get a drink. That's not the time... To do something and talk to somebody else when the preaching's going on. We've got to understand we're here for a purpose. And preaching is not just about the preacher, but every saint of God needs to be in tune with what the spirit's trying to do. And especially if there are sinners in the house, we got to make sure there's nothing that can keep that sinner from getting what they need that night. And sometimes just our carnality, Can stop the move of the Spirit and can keep sinners from getting what they need to get. And listen to me, whatever your situation, whatever it is, and it may be dire and it may be critical, but whatever it is, it's not as important as seeing a sinner saved. Because even if you're dying, if you're dying full of the Holy Ghost, you're still better off than that sinner is. And somehow we've got to get a mindset that it's all about reaching the lost. It's number one about glorifying God and number two about reaching the lost. And so me needing a drink right then is not nearly as important as making sure that sinner doesn't get distracted. Listen, I've done enough sales work. I'll never forget the time I I was, I was closing in on a sale, a major sale. I was selling water purification systems, several thousand dollar systems. I mean, my commission was going to be good. And and it had been a tough time. I, in fact, at that point I had not made any sales and and I was living strictly off of commission. And I was in a home where they obviously could afford it. And I'm telling you, they were liking the product and they were loving the presentation and they were ready. And I brought out the contract and he had the pen in his hand. This is no, I'm telling you the absolute truth. He had his pen in the hand and, and the contract in front of him and his phone rang. And he got up and took the phone and walked into the other room. And he stayed on the phone for 15 or 20 minutes. And when he came back, he said, you know, I've decided I don't want it. Now, I don't really know that whoever he was talking to talked him out of it. I just know there is a moment when you close the deal. And if you lose that moment, you've lost the deal. there's any others that have ever done any sales work, you know what I'm talking about. You get them to that moment of closing the deal, you may never get them back to that moment again. You might. But the chances are slim if you miss that moment. And saints, I'm telling you, when a sinner's here and the preacher's reaching for that sinner, we may never get them back to that moment again. And they may walk out of this service and die lost because we didn't get them to that moment at that time. And how sad it is that so many of those moments have been lost because of our carelessness. Because all of a sudden we felt a sudden urge. Or a thirst. Or we had something come in our mind. We just had to tell somebody sitting next to us. And we don't realize that sinner is looking for some excuse to be distracted. When God's gripping their heart and God's squeezing it and God's pricking it and conviction is heavy, they're looking for any opportunity to get their mind off what God's doing right then. And if we are careless, any little act of carelessness, and we can lose that moment. again, sometimes we can't help it. Sometimes there are situations. I know that. Please don't misunderstand what I'm telling you. There are situations. There are times that we can't do anything about it. What I'm saying is when we can, we should. When we can control it, we need to control it. There should not be distractions while the preaching's going on. That's not the time to start telling somebody something funny. That's not the time. That's not the time to start passing notes, trying to get somebody's attention. That's right. Because that moment during the preaching, The preaching is the most important thing that has happened in that service up until that time. And we don't want to lose the moment. But you see, the preaching is reaching for a particular thing. The preaching is trying to take us to a particular moment, and that is the altar call. That's what we're striving for. The preaching is to carry us to the time around the altar. I've got I've got to quit. I've got to quit. Sister Tori, come. I'm 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 gonna just I've got scriptures here. I won't take the time to read all the scriptures I've got down. We may hit one or two real quickly, but 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 listen to me, give me just five more minutes tonight and let me finish this up. But I'm gonna tell you when that altar call comes, I'm saying to you, at that moment, it better be a real emergency. For you to get up and make a move. Because at the time of the altar call, again, that's when we really are trying to get that sinner to sign the dotted line. And even if there's not a sinner there, there may be some saint that's wavering in their relationship with God. And the preacher's been reaching for them and trying to help them. And we can create a distraction. And lose the power of that moment. I've said it before. If you have to go out, don't do it. Until everybody's down around the front. Don't do it until everybody else is down around the front. Because if you get up and walk out. That sinner may follow you. Or that hurting saint may follow you. Sometimes. Saints are under conviction too. Sometimes God's dealing with saints about things in their life. And they're struggling with whether they should really. Consecrate that to God. And the pull is being made. To come to an altar. And get a hold of God. And then we get up and run out. And we've lost it. Everything. Everything from the pre-service prayer to the song service to the preaching it's all lost in one moment of carelessness that puts a lot of responsibility on my shoulders pastor I know it does but you need to understand that responsibility But it's not just about me getting a word from God. It's about you being in tune with God and receiving that word and responding to that word. You as saints need to know what is the preacher trying to accomplish tonight in this lesson? What is he trying to do? Where where is he trying to take us? Is this a word of victory? If it is, I want to come down and rejoice. I'm going to tell you, I've seen, I've seen people, well-meaning people. God's trying to bring a spirit of victory into a church. And all of a sudden, they, they start thinking about problems they got. And they start weeping and sobbing and crying and wailing and moaning. And, and, and all of a sudden, every bit of victory we've been building up is drained from the place. Because they're more focused on themselves and their situation than they are at what God's trying to do for the whole church. And while you may be wanting to weep and and wail and moan and cry, God may be saying, if you'll just shout a little bit, you'll feel better. And then I've seen other times when God's trying to bring us to a place of consecration and depth. Somebody decides they're really feeling victory and and they just take off and worship. What I'm saying is this church, get the spirit of the service. the focus of the service where is the service going and if you haven't figured it out by the preaching time figure it out while the preacher's preaching and get on board with that direction and let's all be of one mind and one accord let's